Hello and welcome to Comedy in a Nutshell. My name is Mark Decano and I host thecomedynerd.com, a website which charts the more than 40 years I've been seeing over 1,300 different comedians perform live comedy. And in this podcast, I get to talk to a few of them and ask them about their experiences in comedy and find out does comedy mean the same to them as it means to me. I love talking to the people in comedy about comedy. If you'd like to hear what they have to say as much as I do, then please like, subscribe, rate, review and share the podcast. Thank you. My guest this episode is an author and comedian whose debut stand-up hour I was fortunate enough to see at the 2023 Edinburgh Festival Fringe, and he's been described variously as affable, charming and impressive. It's stand-up comedian Richard Cobb. Hello mate, how you doing? Hi, good, how are you? Yeah, good, thanks. So yeah, I mean, if you're happy, we can just crack straight on. Yeah, 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 good to go. So tell me first of all, most was comedy like a, a big thing growing up? Did it get introduced to you early? I think so. I think like it it had been from a like from an, an enjoyment point of view anyway. I think mm. it was um I don't know, like probably like Saturday night TV and there was stuff like kind of Jack D from from kind of like a, a young age, which is probably where I got my sort of dry um unenthusiastic uh humor from i guess so that would i mean that that was probably what started it off but then i kind of think um i don't know i think i think it was probably a lot of it was sort of subconscious as well through kind of like tv shows um mm. and then it just sort of grew from there really but it's um i don't quite know i feel, I feel like it kind of um things that i i think some things almost led to comedy like it wasn't like a, a i guess like a a natural path i think there was a few things that sort of i guess led to the comedy thing really mm. so what was your original pathway which what, what direction do you did you anticipate going in before comedy took over <laughs> I, I guess music was sort of primarily my uh my my idea was to just be, be like do the whole like band thing and then just be like a touring musician yeah. and like i started off it was very much like even when i was really young i guess like five or six i used to I had a band called the moon shakers and it was uh we like like there was like three of us and then i, I used to like write all the track names and do like the the album art mm. and then make little kind of tapes we've never actually made any music it was just i uh, just used to really like kind of creating it and then um having this idea that i was in this band and then it was uh i guess i kind of missed the boat with it in, in high school a little bit there was like friends were kind of going into bands and I always had this idea like oh, I really want to join a band but I could never really be bothered to like fully learn yeah like guitar until I was maybe like last year of school so then <laughs> that didn't that didn't really happen but then I guess from there that kind of started off with uh sort of doing solo stuff when I was at like university and college yeah. so I didn't I didn't really enjoy the kind of the the acoustic music that much but because it was like one guy and a guitar that was really my only uh way of kind of performing i guess so i was kind of trying to do like the band stuff so kind of doing like being on bills with like mm. guitar bands but then opening up for like 15 minutes doing kind of i don't know coldplay covers or something so it was kind of not quite the <laughs> rock and roll lifestyle that i thought but then i guess it was only like i don't like eight or nine years ago i think i I started like a friend of mine's band were looking for a bassist so mm. i hadn't played bass before but then I, I learned over like i think i took two weeks off um over a summer holiday at work yeah. and then kind of learned how to just about get away with playing bass and then that was kind of the the open 
open door, I guess, for kind of I went to, to join another band. Um and that worked out well, but then I feel it was um yeah, quite limited just in the sense that I had big ideas, but I, I never quite knew how to turn that into a successful successful career, I guess. <laughs> what was it that made you want to turn your hand to comedy? I say that like I say that like comedy is like a, a raging success for me as well. But it's, <laughs> to be honest, I probably was doing better at music. But I feel like <laughs> with the um, with the comedy, I think that that sort of started when I think like I'd always like I'd been at school and stuff. I was always like cracking really rubbish jokes <laughs> and like irritatingly bad jokes, which um, I'd probably kill for now. To be honest, just that level of like people <laughs> sighing but still sort of laughing. Um, and I feel like I, I moved to Australia. So basically, my my now wife had gone out to Australia in 2015, hmm. and and I stayed um back and like I was still living up in Edinburgh at the time. So I stayed to to try and like give it one last sort of crack with a band essentially. Hmm. And um, I feel like the turning point of when I decided to go out to Australia was we're doing a a show in uh, Berwick upon Tweed mm-hmm. and my idea was to to sort of stream it online and then we try and get like uh get people to, to tune in and I think we had two people tuning in and the first one was like uh my wife in Australia had tuned in and then there was like uh like a small child had tuned in I think by mistake <laughs> to the wrong channel and um remember her saying to me afterwards like oh I really wish I was there and I was like it's it's a pouring night in uh, Berwick upon Tweed, and she's in Sydney. So, uh, yeah, the, <laughs> we didn't didn't quite make it there. So, I think from there, like I'd gone out, and to be honest, it was a bit it was a bit of a, a weird route. So, I started um, I started writing, like uh, I guess recalling the adventure of of being in Australia, hmm. and uh, without really a thought behind it, I just sort of started kind of sort of stream of consciousness, really just writing stuff then in my iPhone notes. Yeah. And then that became a, an idea I had to, because like one of my favorite films is Big Fish, and I love I love like the idea like the relationship between the father and the son, and how it's uh like it the stories kind of live on. So I kind of thought, um again maybe ideas of my station. I thought like it would be great if I could kind of share these stories. So mm. I think I kind of worked from Australia backwards a little bit, and then went back to sort of stories from school, and just t- that opened up kind of like a. I guess the kind of worms of, of memories. So I think from there I kind of crafted the writing style, which was kind of like I was trying to make it funny and engaging, but also mm. I guess an open route for people that didn't really read very much. Because um, the idea the idea was I wasn't really ever going to get anything published. But then I think as the ideas grew and I kept writing, I thought I'll self self publish mm-hmm. these books. And then I think from there it became a point of. Um, going to like book readings and trying to kind of read them out. Uh, but it was in between like really depressing poetry. So there'd be people like <laughs> given their like life stories and like poetry, like really sad and emotional. And I'd come up and tell like a story about the time that I was like sick on a ferry in France when I was seven, <laughs> like something like ridiculous. And it was kind of, it was good fun, but it was also like, I felt like the way I was delivering it, I wasn't even fully reading what was on the page. I was kind of, I guess, feeding off the audience a little bit. So then I thought, well, if that's worked, then maybe that'd be a it could be a route to to doing stand up, I guess. Yeah. So your first book, part one, the easiest to digest years. That was twenty nineteen. Is that right? Yeah, twenty nineteen. So I think yeah, that was the the first one. So it was to be honest, like 
I kind of I called it part one without really knowing that I would have carried it on and quite as quickly as that. But I feel mm. that that was uh, so that was kind of the ages of. I think sort of five to eighteen, yeah. um, of just essentially just like a a walkthrough of, yeah, differences between sort of like family holidays. Yeah. Um, there was chat about kind of school stuff that went on, and to be honest, there was bits that were probably like all of it happened, but there was bits that I probably like my memories have probably just been like <laughs> make this sound like a lot worse than it was, just for the sense <laughs> of obviously kind of creating the, the kind of narrative, I guess. But yeah, so similarly to when you're doing. If you're doing stand-up, because you you are a storyteller, I think it's fair to say as a stand-up. Yeah. But do you alter the story to fit jokes that you have in mind, or do you do the jokes come first and you change the narrative to meet the jokes, or do the jokes come from things you've remembered from the story? It kind of. Well, I mean, I, I didn't used to. I think there was maybe one or two stories that I kind of lifted on. So, mm. I mean, I started apart from I had like one show maybe when I was at college like a stand-up show which was an open mic and it was dreadful because <laughs> i was sort of pounding the ciders before i went on and it was that sort of like awful experience um of just like a, a bet with with a fat mate essentially so that kind of from there i was like a horrendous experience and i thought never doing that again but then i feel when i started the so i kind of started stand-up like again plagued by timing i think i had three uh before i think maybe february 2020 mm-hmm and um from there like they weren't really leaning that much on the book stuff i think i'd I'd written a few just because i mean the stage time was like five minutes so i didn't mm. really think i could kind of like I, I guess now i've kind of longer form stories where back then it was sort of trying to write as much as i can just unrelated and i didn't even really think to kind of lean on the stuff i'd already written so that kind of helped when kind of mapping out longer shows i was realizing i was like well I've got these big chapters and i think it's it made it easier so some maybe sort of five or ten minute shows i do i would i kind of like take a little bit of the story but then kind of chop the best bits but then i kind of learned that as i was going mm. um but then i feel like a lot of it was i feel more with stand up that I'm, i've got more like leeway of kind of adding different elements to it. i felt like yeah. the stuff in the book was very kind of like this basically happened there was a few bits of maybe over-egged yeah. um but for it was almost kind of wanting to sort of stay true to it whereas i've kind of gradually learned that like it's better to add like more relatable hooks in there as well just that can kind of uh, otherwise like people are just gonna think it's really weird <laughs> <laughs> so like you say only a few gigs before february 2020 so yeah what happened next for you in terms of writing and performing through lockdowns um, I mean, I finished my, uh, I, I guess I finished my, my other book. So I guess it's four now that I've written. Um, mm-hmm. But then I think that that kind of led to just like a long time of just thinking, well, I should probably get this done. And to be honest, I think from that book, there's a lot that kind of lent itself to, I think because I'd already sort of done comedy at that point, like I hadn't really done comedy properly before the first book, whereas I had that kind of idea like, well, you know, I could maybe adapt this into um into sort of stand up at some point mm. but i feel like it was i mean i guess primarily like i started like the reason for sort of picking up the gigs again was just because i'd uh like moved down with with my wife i think we um sort of november december 20 2019 i think we came down to london from edinburgh mm-hmm. and then it was effectively like getting to the point of sort of in your 30s and it's really hard to make friends and kind of like know <laughs> like anybody down here so like my 
my sister had lived in London. She lives down in Sussex now, so she was about the only person we knew down here. Right. So it was kind of a case. I put myself on the deep end and just thinking if I go and do the comedy scene, then it's a way of kind of building up the confidence a little bit, and it's a way of kind of meeting a whole different community of people. Mm. So I guess that was the idea, and then obviously by three gigs in, it was um kind of out the window. So it was, I don't know, it was quite <laughs> awkward, but I feel like my last gig before lockdown was like with like Ali Ali Woods was doing the show at um Vauxhall, which I think Big Belly Comedy mm-hmm. Club it's called now. Uh, and him and Tom Elwes had a night and I was on there and it, it went really well. So I feel like if it had been a bad show before lockdown, I probably wouldn't have uh, it would have scared me off for life, I think. So and <laughs> um, I think the fact that went well kind of got me thinking, well, like I wasn't really I wasn't really at the point of of doing comedy that I needed to sort of do any of the car park gigs or do Zoom gigs, right? Just because I didn't really feel like, yeah, I mean that there wasn't really that itch to scratch. I guess you know I didn't feel like I needed to sort of keep practicing. It's like as far as I knew, it was like, well, it's something I've done. I can pick it up, right? Again, when normality resumes. So yeah. Also, I think it would have been dreadful. Like I think it's it was hard <laughs> enough for people that were like seasoned uh, comics doing that, and um, I used to watch like they did the stands, like Mark Nelson presented the the stand comedy yeah. club stuff, and I think. A Saturday, and uh, I found that really interesting. Seeing like uh, getting a bit of an idea of how comedians could perform in like an empty room, obviously online, mm. and uh, I think that was really inspiring. Just because you could kind of see the um, like you could sort of see the sadness in, in some people's eyes, but you could also see like the kind of like the lengths they would go to really just to kind of keep that alive and then keep people laughing at home when everybody was sad. So yeah, I think like yeah, that that was really. I, I guess that kind of kept the the fire going really throughout throughout lockdown. Just to thinking when that's done, yeah, I'll maybe maybe pick it up again. And when you when you did eventually then pick it up again, how was it different from when you did it the first few times? I think it felt um, I felt a bit more confident with it. So I, I guess like I, I didn't really have. I mean, I was really nervous. The f- I think like the first one back, I was nervous just because it was a sense like for me it was more. How am I going to remember all this rather than the fact I'm actually performing it? I'm just like, the stress for me is looking like I'm not being stressed. So I guess like that's maybe something I learned from doing music of the sense of like, unless like if you look stressed, then people are going to see right through it and it's not going to be enjoyable for anybody watching. So I feel like mm. if I manage to kind of fool, fool myself into thinking that is fine, then it's uh, it'll make for a better watch. But then definitely before... I think I went back and did like comedy virgins at the at the Cavendish, mm-hmm. and that was um, yeah, that was quite stressful just, <laughs> just from the sense of because uh, it was all new, so it was, it was stuff I hadn't said before, and it's kind of that sort of thing of like it's funny in my head. Is this going to be funny to to mm-hmm. anybody else there? But um, yeah, no, it was a real a real buzz after that one really, and I think from then it just sort of um, just kept the gigs going ever since, effectively. Yeah. Uh, you've mentioned about confidence a couple of times and there just now about the stress. Do you get nerves or do you get anxious before going on stage? Um, I don't really like, like um, stand it. I think I, I deliberately don't have any, like I don't drink or anything before mm. shows now. I feel like it's, um, I think the concern of that is just because it's, um, I need I need to be sort of match sharp. So I think with that, there needs to be a, there's like a degree of nervousness, I guess. Like mm. I feel like, like I had a, a hometown show last Christmas and that was like my first sort of headline show. So that was like the local village um, 
like where my parents live um the scottish borders it was like i think hmm. 60 or 70 people and uh that was like, the first time i was going to attempt well i don't know how long i was going to attempt but it was going to be my my work in progress mm-hmm. um which became this this year's fringe show yeah so I think I I build it as uh, anywhere between twenty minutes and an hour because I just I had no way of knowing like if it was going badly I was gonna get out of there, but um I I was quite nervous just because I put the whole like I I I booked the hall I got I got a couple of friends down mm-hmm. um Angus Coots and uh, Chelsea Young from I think Chelsea's up in Dundee but Angus is from edinburgh so i kind of got them down mm-hmm. down the road and sort of thought if this is bad it's uh the whole the scottish comedy scene is probably going to hear about it, <laughs> so it was, um, that was a bit of a bit of stress but then um also just because my mom and dad were there and like yeah. all of their neighbors and it was a, it's a very small kind of truman show type community of uh <laughs> you know like it's it's weird when you're like living in london for a while then you go back up and walk in the dog and then people say hi to you when you're walking the dog and, and you're sort of like that's weird because in London, if you say that, it's uh, it's frowned upon. So it was, uh... <laughs> yeah, you're not allowed to talk to anyone in London. <laughs> I, no, <laughs> it, was, uh, it was, yeah. I mean, I mean, for that, it felt like a lot of responsibility, and uh, I guess that trickled into the the fringe show mm. this year as well with stress. But again, it was just because I just didn't know how I was going to keep anyone interested for an hour. Um, which, um, I mean, depending on who you ask, maybe I didn't. <laughs> so, I think. I think after after enough of them, yeah, it became sort of routine that uh, that I was kind of not really nervous about it. Yeah. Well, let's talk about your fringe show then, Couples Massage. Mm-hmm. So again, it's delivered in your storytelling style. How did you work up to an hour? What did you expect was what you were going to be taking to the festival? Uh, I mean, at the start, like I, I kind of ran this past past one of my friends. Um, I sort of I gave an idea, so I started writing the show on the on the plane back from my honeymoon last October and just because it was like a, a long flight I think that my wife had been asleep and I was just sort of uh yeah just again writing nonsense on my phone and I just had had this idea of just like it was almost like a it started a year of challenges which was just like well that's going to put me under a lot of stress I might do that I'll see what happens <laughs> and um and that tends to be the way that I work best I think like even this year it was a case or like um sorry like the, the end of last year was a case of like maybe i'll run a marathon one day i'll see how that goes and then that's going to be into my next parent show and i always feel like i'm subconsciously just doing stressful things just so i can talk about them on stage but um i think to be honest it was just one of them i think going back to like i'd uh i'd mentioned maybe it was off off the recording actually like david ian um one of my one of my friends from comedy i saw him do yeah. His debut Fringe Hour, uh, Mediocre Gay, that was in, I think, uh, Camden Fringe in August 2022. Mm-hmm. And then he just, I think he'd maybe done sort of 50 or 60 gigs and then just like batted out an hour. <laughs> and it was like an incredible hour. It was like one of the best, best things I'd seen, like from having gone up and like, I used to like review up in Edinburgh for a couple of years and it yeah. just seemed so natural. And I was a bit like, well, that, like, how's he done that? Like, what's, what's going on there? And, uh, <laughs> Just, he just sort of said, just sort of, well, it's, you know, you might as well. There's that many people like almost that are kind of saying, oh, you need to like fact it. You know, you need to, you need to like be able to go up, go up if you've done like a couple hundred shows. Mm. And it was almost just like, well, if you've got something to say, like, you know, why not? And I think the, the basis I was forming that off was I've seen a, 
I saw like a one man Edgar Allan Poe mm-hmm. uh, adaption of the Raven one year at, uh, up in Edinburgh, and it was uh, worst, comfortably the worst thing I've ever seen at the festival. And um, <laughs> that guy he came over from Boston for it, so he he had enough sort of confidence to do that. Yeah. And I'm sure maybe people in in that circle would have enjoyed it, but I just thought, well, Edinburgh's my home. <laughs> just thought, you know, if, like if I can go up, if I can kind of roughly cobble something together, then. Mm. You know, again, if I set myself a deadline of like, if I book the venue, if I get my train ticket, if I if I get the accommodation sorted at my sister's, then there's my like, I need to do it. So it's just very much a case of, um, <laughs> yeah, like panic, right? And I think to be honest, a lot of it helped because I had already written stuff in the books. So it was quite a case of joining the dots um, mm. and adding quite a lot of um, a lot of that stuff in. But then it also meant there was a lot of kind of editing like the first maybe week or or 10 days of the festival a lot of stuff got chucked yeah just because it was um i hadn't had that many hours so like it's it's hard in london i guess that's maybe what a lot of people say of just getting that sort of stage time of kind of building up so mm. i'd been used to kind of doing five or ten minute shows uh maybe 15 if i was lucky I, and it was very much a case of like how am i going to get an hour out of this so that's why i did things like i i went home and did like the hometown show mm. And I did another one in May, and it was just a case of um, kind of doing them on your own terms because it was it was just that hard to to get that in London. I mean, you say you you made some big changes to the show. How much did it change from the start of the festival to the end of the festival? I think it definitely. Well, I mean, I made a big change on I think the first Saturday. So I think the first show was like th- Thursday, maybe. Mm. And I think two days in, I realised that the show was called Couples Massage, and it was meant to centre around. Uh, the massage and then i realized i didn't actually mention the massage until about <laughs> 10 minutes before the end which was um on reflection i was just thinking well like nobody really complained about it but i was also like well i've kind of i've sort of lured them in to the idea that this show was going to be about that um i thought well basically what I, did, I just sort of shifted it a little bit of um i just sort of made a lot of the the stuff i'd already mentioned i kind of put it, put it under the umbrella mm. of taking place at the massage so it was kind of um it was quite easy to do, but it was also quite terrifying that I'd sort of decided on like the bus on the way to that <laughs> the Saturday night show, which was like the first sellout of the show that I was gonna completely change it. So I was a little bit panicking. Yeah. But um I think it definitely was it was for the better and I feel like it was one of them if if you can kind of identify a a change because like, it could have been it could have gone badly and then I would have reverted sort of to type, but I think because I it gone well it was kind of a case of right well that kind of helped a, a lot of other things like refining bits maybe taking parts out um just sort of like i think it was just from time like because I, I found myself at the point of um having to sort of rush through a lot of stuff and then i just thought well there's there's little bits in the middle which are like which are okay which are fairly fairly amusing but like <laughs> they just take too long and i thought if if i'm at the point where i can like look down and i've got like two minutes left of stage time and i've not got got to my ending yet then it's it's not fair on the next act sort of thing so i just thought slice it and then i can just have a bit more breathing space yeah and how was your festival experience as a whole as someone doing their first hour i think it was amazing i think but i I think like i'm not i'm under no illusions that i found it amazing because i've got family up there and i think i'm reading a lot just now obviously about even people looking next year for accommodation and how like complete eye-watering costs of like you know a couple thousand pounds to to stay at like a student halls yeah um with like four other people and it just sounds like 
horrendous. I think even like I, I did a show, like the first time I'd been up to do shows in Edinburgh the, the year before I had like two 10 minute spots or something. And one of the guys was sleeping in a tent, like down by Arthur's seat for, uh, mm-hmm. for like, or he was going to do it for the whole festival. I think he maybe managed like a week or something and then he got an Airbnb somewhere. But, <laughs> you know, it's like the commitment people put in. And I think that's, that would have been a real stress. And I think even as much as the, like the fact it was free festival really helped as well. Cause I was at the point where I'd looked at like another one of the the venues I'd, I'd got an offer mm. uh, the first one that came through and it was, it's going to be like two and a half grand, I think for like a 50 seater um, for the, which I, to be honest, maybe, maybe isn't bad by comparison, but I, I just thought I was trying to work out the numbers and I thought I'm going to need, you know, 35, 40 people every single night of the festival to, see any of that back effectively and i just mm. thought i don't really want to risk it i kind of felt it was um you know like it it takes a lot off the performance and i think because there was that stress of doing the first hour then i think if you add the fact if you're firing if you're trying to make like the money back as well yeah. then i feel like that it changes from the kind of laid back approach so you can just see the kind of fear in someone's <laughs> eyes or the kind of the <laughs> You know, I, I could feel that if it was at the point where I had like, I don't know, pay what you want bucket at the end, I could, I, I would almost be like looking into people's souls. I feel like if I was like relying on kind of seeing any of that money back, whereas I think because, I mean, like the, my overheads, I guess, like, I think from that point of view, I had like, I went up and did Morecambe like before. So I, I rented a car, which was terrifying and driving out of London for the first time. <laughs> so I took like my wife and her dog uh, and it was terrifying initially because I realized as soon as I got the car, it was an automatic and I'm not used to driving automatics. And then I signed a paperwork <laughs> thing to say no dogs in the car. And I was like, well, I've got my dog. He's literally on, on the fringe posters. <laughs> and then, then it was hitting the M25 and then like lots of, like I accidentally went into the park on the M25 in the fast lane <laughs> and then like lots of, lots of stresses. So I kind of felt like, um, you know that I got my stress out of the way before, yeah. before Edinburgh. Really. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I th- I feel like it was. Um, I kind of I think looking back, I probably could have. Um, I mean, done a bit more networking and maybe hung out with people more. But I feel like after my shows, I was very much a case of um, right, probably get the bus home, like <laughs> listen back to bits of my set I wasn't sure about, and then kind of uh get lots of sleep and then go like do the next day because i felt like i was at the point where i just needed to analyze absolutely every part of the performance Hmm. in order to get to the point maybe week two or like halfway through week two that i thought i'm actually quite calm about this now but then it was was very much a case of like i was analyzing absolutely everything and i I think as well about what was great about edinburgh was like i i'm always pretty hard on myself if i've had a bad show like i i analyze every aspect of like, oh, well, that's gone badly. What what could I have done there? Yeah. And I, I was just really interested about Edinburgh, just the, the fact of like, you've got 23 shows. You basically can't sit on the fact that you've had a bad one the night before and you've just got to make sure the next one's good. So I was interested about that whole, like, the, almost like the disposable show hmm. type thing, just thinking, well, like, you know, if, if I've got, if I'm like a weekend and every show's bombed, then I'd be like, <laughs> I'm in trouble. Whereas I think like it was, it was definitely helpful that I could, uh, you know, try and kind of improve it for the following night. Yeah. What about other performers? Did while you're spending a, a, the month there with your show every night, are you going out and seeing other shows as well? Are you going to see comedy, or are you avoiding seeing comedians so that you don't compare yourself and your show? Well, I didn't for the for the first week or ten days, but that mm. was primarily just because 
like I've I mean I've I've been in shows where I guess it like it reminded me of like if you go to a show maybe like an open mic in London and there's sort of fifteen. I'm aware I'm like slagging off London a lot here, but I think it's just because I live here and do, and do the shows. So it's not it's not intentional, but just from my experience of stand up in London, it's if you do sort of fifteen or twenty uh, act lineups mm. and maybe it'll just be acts in the room, then you'll be looking out and there'll be people sort of stressing, looking over lines, maybe reading their hands mm. on their phone. And I didn't like my concern was I was so ab- absorbed with like how my show was going that I kind of thought I needed like. I'd be I'd be a rubbish audience member, so I, I like deliberately didn't go and see any shows for the first sort of week or ten days just because I wasn't comfortable enough maybe with my own show. Right. That I thought I'd, I don't want to go and like kind of be a downer on anybody else's, but um, I definitely like I I caught up a lot. I think I tried to kind of most nights uh, go and go and see somebody afterwards or maybe like during the day before. So I guess like I think that's that started off like I saw uh, Crystal Evans who's got a show. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, her, her show was incredible. I think I saw that um, yeah. preview in London mm-hmm. somewhere, and I think that was that was amazing. And I think that was uh, like I thought about that for ages afterwards. I didn't I didn't see it again in Edinburgh, but um, that that was a brilliant show. I saw Liam Withmill. His his show was uh, really well thought of as well. And uh, yeah, there's so much. And I think particularly it, it struck me that like just a lot of the talent coming from Scotland because I feel like it was. Um, it was maybe sort of overlooked for the awards and stuff. I think obviously the people that were up for the awards were definitely deserving, but I think there was such a such a strong year coming out of mm. of um, Edinburgh and Glasgow and stuff that it was kind of uh, yeah, like almost everybody I went to see was uh, incredible, basically. When you're watching other comedians, do you watch them as a comedian? Are you analytical? Are you looking at the mechanics of it, or are you able to? watch it and enjoy it like an audience member i think i can i think i can enjoy it so i think i think it's maybe afterwards that i maybe think more right about it because i knew that like like it's very different to like when i used to like review comedy which i found very hard because i used to i used to review music as well Mm -hmm. and that was fine because i could take notes throughout and it was like the first i think the first one I, i reviewed i think i reviewed like brett goldstein or something um I had no idea how to review comedy because I was like, well, I can't remember any of what I've seen. Like, <laughs> even if I'm an audience member, I can't, re- like, I can maybe remember one or two punchlines from my show. I just remember I enjoyed it. Yeah. And so I was almost like afterwards, like, just having to use a lot of filler sentences here. So it was kind <laughs> of, um, yeah, that was that was quite hard. And it was like, I feel like with, with music, it was very much a case of I'd be like, right, oh, and then the lights were doing this or like, and then, uh you know the act like blah 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 whereas i, I felt with comedy it, it, it's a lot easier so i feel like i i kind of even if i'm not out seeing comedy or like there's so many like amazing specials on youtube that i'll kind of try and mm. sort of like one one or two a week at the moment just sort of getting through them and then i think just i think just enjoying them for what they are really i think it's like i think i'm quite lucky in the sense that i don't i don't really i don't really think i that there's any comedians I almost try to to be like, if that makes sense. I think mm. it's, um, and I don't know if that's that's me having found a voice, or it's just because again, I've a lot of the I find like a lot of maybe the humour comes from my my awkward <laughs> situations. So I feel like it, you know, it's, it's quite hard to kind of script that, I guess. But I feel like watching other comedians is it, almost it's, it's great to see the reaction they're getting, and it's great to see a lot of the stuff, and it just gives gives me a bit of a buzz rather than 
thinking like, oh, they could have done that better and something. But uh, yeah, I don't know why. Maybe maybe after this, I will view it differently. <laughs> I don't know, but I said, I hadn't before. Yeah. So you talked there a little bit about not being like other comedians, but are there other comedians now, or have there been uh, comedians that you've seen growing up that inspired you or that continue to inspire you? Yeah, I think. I mean, I think primarily it was. Um, Probably Russell Kane, actually. I mm-hmm. think when he like, I went sort of by chance in 2008, I think, mm-hmm. and I saw him at the at the fringe in like a tiny room at the Pleasance, which I don't think is there anymore, and uh, almost became like the kind of regular, regular sort of every year at the fringe. So I've probably seen him about ten times now, and I think <laughs> it was just that. Um, I think that energy, like I, I remember like there's been stuff in um, like. You can tell you can tell the comedians are, are influenced by by this sort of the frantic sort of eight espressos sort of prancing yeah. like up and down the stage kind of thing. So it's almost uh, I found that really interesting. But I think I'm I'm probably too unfit to be uh, <laughs> to be able to sort of to copy that. But I feel like that was um, de- definitely just from the point. Of, I think I think he had like his his 2010 show uh, Smoke Screens and Castles, which he won the he won the comedy award that year for it. And I, I think I saw it about three times that year, mm. and it was just. Uh, I think that started the whole like the um, I, don't, I mean I don't want to call it a dead dad show, but that started yeah. you know the whole like kind of the sad bit. I guess yeah, the, the sad part towards the end, and it was yeah. very much like gut punch, and it was kind of I, I know like you know some maybe critics had had opinions on that, and it maybe paved the way for that that type of show, but I, I hadn't seen anything like it before to that kind of mm. paved the way for a lot of how kind of comedy became. Um, but I feel on that on that as well, like I like. People like Nick Helm, I'd go and see all the time as well. He had some amazing shows. Um, I think one that Megamith I'd seen back in the day, and that was just like the whole thing. It was almost like an Evil Knievel type <laughs> show, and he'd uh, blend it with music and shouting. And it was just, I felt very uneasy being in the crowd for these gigs, but he's like, like obviously like the nicest guy in comedy. And I think that was this whole thing that is just like, uh, like very angry on stage. But I feel like, like th- those two, I mean, for, for me, I think they were like very much kind of continuous i guess throughout but i think even like more so i think there's there's a lot of like comedy i listen to in like podcasts with um people nowadays so like some laugh podcast with um mark jennings mm-hmm. uh Stuart McPherson and uh steve buchanan I, I i listen to that weekly and uh enjoy an album with again liam with and christopher MacArthur boyd i think those are like great listens just every week i think they get sort of special guests on and i think it's just uh it's just a nice, a nice accompaniment. I think it, it kind of mm. like, I think just make like even if you're like going out a run or if you're on the commute and stuff, it's just it's really lighthearted. And I think it's um, it's good that there's that kind of continuous sort of, um, being sort of continuously being fed sort of comedy. I think it kind of keeps keeps the brain working out as well. Yeah. What about uh, feedback in the form of reviews, particularly as someone who's written reviews? Um, I got a. I got I got a three star review in. Uh, so, I mean, I found I mean primarily I found reviews really hard to come by. And I think that <laughs> started with I think there's a lot about needing kind of uh, putting money aside for PR and stuff mm, like that, which yeah. wasn't a position I was wanting to put myself in. I think I think it was one of them. I, I think I I moved the goalposts a little bit because I thought at the start of the run, I think my I, I just wanted I, I didn't want any press to come just because I thought this was going to get eaten alive. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, th- I thought it's gonna go badly. I think if uh, it's because I'm the sort of person that like if if somebody asked me, I'd be like, ah, I don't give my name or like oh, I wouldn't check reviews, but I would 100 <laughs> yeah. percent like have checked them. And um, 
I think the first one I got was when I did Markham. I I thought like I've absolutely smashed that. It's uh, and I was like reading up on the the local, I think the Lancaster Guardian, and they were like throwing out five stars like nobody's business. So I thought that's going straight on the poster, like outside the city cafe, <laughs> gonna chuck five stars up there, and I got like a three star, which I was like, <laughs> and it read and it said uh, by the end of the fringe, um, if it you know it could well be a four star show, and I thought that's that's nice but i'm not like it's still a three just like, yeah. something like you know it was kind of like it's a three star isn't isn't bad as much as i'd tell uh try and tell brett goldstein that after i gave him three stars in edinburgh but i feel like to me i was a bit like well i, I kind of I, I want kind of quotes because that's the sort of thing if like after the festival if yeah. i'm kind of applying for anywhere i want to be able to sort of show that off and the only review i got uh from a publication was uh not a publication unheard of. I think it was like a husband and wife blog. Um, really nice review. Uh, two stars. <laughs> so I was like, gone from three stars before Edinburgh to halfway through, and I think it's a better show. And I got two, so um, not great. But I think from uh, I think I find like audience reviews were like a lot of them were really positive, and I think that that's the ones I'd heard of anyway. But I say I say a lot, like three or four people said they joined. <laughs> but um, I think for me that was like it was really good just to sort of. Like I think even like like some people came back to the show, which was I think like the biggest the biggest thing for me because it's sort of you know you, like I've had that after gigs where I've been like oh great performance mate, but then it's you know it's quite generic. Whereas I think when you actually see somebody coming back to the show, mm. not under duress, it was um you know I think that that was the the best thing for me really. But yeah, again I feel like as soon as I thought maybe I'd want reviews for this, it was kind of I was too sort of it was too late in the process. I feel so um yeah. Yeah, <laughs> um, I saw something in which you were described as uh, a gentle storyteller. Is that a description you would agree with? Are you mindful of what your persona is on stage? I think uh, I, I think it's become that. I think I used to, like I've I've done some. Uh, I mean, I don't think it's intentional. I feel like any sort of offense that gets thrown out is largely in, in, at my own direction. So <laughs> I kind of feel I I try to sort of make it a bit of a. Um, not uneasy on on the audience really just because i think there's that many that um like are a lot better at making <laughs> people feel uneasy and stuff like and i think like i i anytime i do something like that i'll, I'll feel probably guilt afterwards and i'm like i'm not that hmm. i guess i'm not that sort unless it's like off the cuff thing so i kind of felt like it became maybe i don't know i, I feel like I, it's probably come to the point where it's maybe gentle storytelling but i don't know if that's just uh like again leaning on the fact that sort of almost quite unenthusiastic delivery again maybe to the <laughs> attributing to the the jack d stuff from, yeah. a, from an early age but i'm <laughs> i'm not quite sure but um i don't mind it i, th I think when, when my, after the cadrona show that i did in the like last christmas the, the scottish border show my mom said um you could really i mean you could be the next michael mcintyre which i was i didn't really know how to take so i was like <laughs> maybe not that nice but yeah <laughs> Where you've got like Jack D there, who's like the miserable guy. Mm -hmm. um, I've spoken with um, Alex Farrow, who's the philosophy guy. Dave Chawner, who's the mental health guy. Are you the the gentle guy? Is that an, an epithet that you'd be comfortable with? Uh, I mean, I don't. I think it kind of. I think there. Sometimes what I feel like. I, I think it's um, the. Uh, I like. I like kind of sort of like. I don't know. Maybe sort of bringing stuff out of the blue. I feel like it was like stuff like. Um, 
I'm trying to base this on like the film at Grand Budapest Hotel. I think there was like one use of like the F words yeah. towards the end, or or like, and I really like when it's sort of out the blue and effectively used. So like, and, and I kind of feel like that's there's a few bits in the show that I felt like hmm. I almost like kind of pulling the rug a little bit of that sort of like, oh, this is all fine, but then it'll be like, I think there was maybe bits in like in the couples massage show this year that it was a bit kind of like you could almost see like the kind of I think like one of my friends described it to me. They said that you could almost see like the um, gradually getting more, more and more like annoyed, but still trying to sort of put a nice face on. And then at the end, yeah. it was just like bang, like that, yeah. like firework off. So I kind of like that idea of you know it's all going fine, but then having that level of unpredictability. Like I don't feel like I think with my my books, I think they're not like the material there. It's not probably all family friendly. I know like my um, <laughs> it, there was a lot of references to the uh to the language used kind of throughout and stuff and i think that was just sort of how how i sort of am so i think it was kind of to that point but i think i think a lot of it's maybe maybe it was just the theme of this year's show as well that it was a lot a lot of sort of self-reflection so i think it was kind of trying to be mindful about that and i think that's just a you know i do a lot of sort of inwards reflecting really but um mm. i don't know next year's show i feel like uh what I've got in mind is it would completely shatter the idea that <laughs> I'm a nice comedian <laughs> or a nice, nice guy. I feel like it's, um, I'm already, there's, there's a lot of red tape. I've had to, had to get signed off. Um, and that's, I haven't even fully started writing it yet. It was just the idea, <laughs> um, that it's, um, it, yeah, it could definitely dispel that. I think. Yeah. Um, you've talked a little bit there earlier on about differences between London and, uh, Scotland and the borders, how is comedy different in those two areas for you, either watching or performing? I I think I think I need to or I don't know if I need to, but I, I feel I definitely make more of the fact that I'm I may I probably make more of a brave heart of it down here, I feel. <laughs> um than like I don't know, I can easily chop the material like a lot of it's I think maybe a lot of, of people in similar position would say this that they kind of need to uh reference the accent to like if you're down here just because it'll like somebody could pick up on it or something like that so it's almost good to sort of get that out of the way mm. um whereas when sort of back in scotland it's you know you're like everyone else so i almost kind of use it as like oh these guys in london like and they, they've got this problem with my accent and stuff so <laughs> kind of like yeah i kind of turn it on its head but i think like i'm um to be honest i don't think my accent's that even that like for, from that point of view i don't think it's is that strong so i think like other you know it's not like a kevin bridges type thing whereas i feel like he's like that would be a lot more of a of a thing but i think um i don't know i i think from from the scene i find i find the scene hard down here but i don't really have much to compare it to so i, I think like going up and doing maybe because it's smaller um in like edinburgh and glasgow and stuff and i think it's it's a bit easier to get on decent gigs i think it's very like it's i don't know secret handshakes a little bit or it feels like that maybe sometimes of <laughs> kind of knowing knowing how to sort of get on on particular shows which i feel is uh can be quite demoralizing whereas i feel if kind of going back up to scotland you can kind of like you can do your kind of monkey barrels and stuff like that yeah. i was going to say you can do the stand but they've not booked me yet so <laughs> you can go up and do um you, you know you can go up and do them fairly easily if, if you know people whereas it's, it's a bit i feel it's it's very um competitive and cluttered down here i guess yeah 
uh, at the Fringe, you've got three and a half thousand shows to compete against for an audience. About six, seven hundred of them are comedy shows, most of which is stand up. Yeah. Are you competitive in nature? How do you feel yourself competing against others for an audience? I think, um, I mean, yeah, next year's show is all about being extremely competitive <laughs> to the point that I, I once like locked locked my mum in the in the summer house at my sister's when we were doing like an egg hunt after a couple of wines. And uh, yeah, it was only when she said she was extremely claustrophobic, I had to sort of let her out. Uh, and she still won, unknowingly. But um, I feel like, I don't know, I, f- I find it hard because um, I, I hate by nature, like because I'm, I'm very like sort of, uh, yeah, self-reflective, I guess, and it's um, I, I get annoyed when I find myself competitive. But I feel like it's um, maybe not so much in Edinburgh, but I feel down here, I get I get quite like that's I, I don't really do gong shows. Or I don't really do competitions anymore, just because mm-hmm. I'd not done well at them uh, at the start. I think like a couple of years ago, and I just from my point of I'm just I'm not a nice person. At least. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like. And I'm so like as much as I'm sort of I I want to be like oh that's great congratulations and stuff I'm I'm like the worst part of, like if if it's not gone well for me and somebody else has done well I'll just I'll be I'll probably leave <laughs> you know I'll just be like that's annoying and just like uh, give give my wife like an earful about how I didn't agree with the decision and stuff like that so <laughs> I think from that point of view I think it's it's hard because I don't think by nature sort of comedy should be competitive i think it's um it's easy to sort of i guess look around and see like i don't know and i find it really hard on like instagram i'm seeing people getting certain shows and like it's that kind of balance of like feeling kind of uh pleased for them but also thinking like how did they like how did they get in that (laughs) (laughs) and it's just by nature it's a lot of it's like i don't really like bad mouthing anybody but a lot of it's just in my head of like what have they done but then Mm. also considering a lot of these people are gigging like seven, eight times a week, whereas I'm maybe gigging twice in a good week. Yeah. So you know, it's, a lot of that's kind of like not really reading between the lines of of kind of uh, the downfall, I guess. But mm. I think in in Edinburgh, like I, I struggled a little bit because I was, um, I mean, I was I was helped because my room was only like a twenty twenty five capacity, but um, I, I printed like five thousand flyers and I think I handed out about hundred at most. <laughs> Most of them ended up in my sister's like recycling bin, and I just <laughs> found I saw like particularly I went up to the Royal Mile to to fly out, and there was like a I think like Viking wrestling. They were always like they they were outside the Starbucks on the like really great flyering, like a whole team of them. Yeah, <laughs> and like I didn't want to pay anyone to fly for me because um like. 20 capacity i thought that's nah, like it's not gonna make a big difference if i'm paying somebody 15 pound that's like i don't know a quarter of the room gone on um firing to get people in mm. but then i also thought i'm don't want to bother anyone <laughs> it's, it's just like, i'm just sort of sat with it the, with these fires and maybe occasionally i'd go and like stand outside the, my poster on like outside the city cafe where i was performing i just like stand next to it and just see if anybody noticed that i was on the poster and then i get chatting <laughs> for them but I don't know. I'm so like bothering them. So I feel like <laughs> going and doing it next year. I'm like, I've got to, I've got to cut that out. Cause I thought at least even by day 20, I'd be like, shoot, like surely like the, the quiet last week, I must be able to fire people. And I'd, I'd just go and like do a couple loops of like the, the Royal Mile and then just go and sit backstage before I had to go on. So it was, <laughs> yeah, competitive, but not, not when it comes to shove. <laughs> 
So um, when you entered stand-up, what were the biggest surprises that you encountered from what you initially expected? Uh, I didn't realise there was going to be as many bringer gigs. Really, I think that was that was hard. Um, right. And it's and it's particularly hard. I think that was a like so many bringer gigs. So for for that essentially of obviously bringing a bringing a friend along or or you won't perform kind of thing. But yeah. more than that, it was when you're on sort of fifteen twenty act bills it's it's like a whole night um and that i find that really hard and i, I was always thinking like oh, i wonder when you get to the point where you can just sort of turn up and just leave again <laughs> that seems really bad and again that's maybe my networking thing of just like i just yeah go up and don't speak to anyone and put mm. my bag on and leave yeah but then I, I think that was that was quite surprising and i think as well like just the i think like just the sheer amount of, of people doing comedy really i think it's like you can do like well, I mean, you. I mean, I, I've already established that I don't do a gig every night, but you could do a gig every night for a month and just have like, yeah. you know, not see the same person twice, mm. or, or you could do, like, maybe a couple gigs a month and then see the the same bill the whole time. So I think it was, it's just that level of unpredictability of kind of who's out there and stuff. And I think um, <laughs> you had a, a big variety of of uh, of acts as well. I think there's yeah. just some some absolute crackers out there that are just like I've got no idea how they even got into that kind of thing but it's <laughs> some of it like, it's just incredible really i think i think as well sorry just like maybe the difference between like maybe like between like music and and comedy like mm. i feel like you don't get someone like i don't know the killers or like oh, monkeys. you don't get them turning up and doing five minutes at like a battle of the bands <laughs> you know and it's like you'll get i mean i've, I've not overly gigged with like like what i'd call huge comedians but you get you get some just turning up like literally like seller of a wet pub or something in, in um, Kentish Town and then it's like they'll completely smash it and it's just like I think it's that level of, it's that excitement as well of just thinking oh like going to that venue and doing that venue like that's where so and so's performed so I think that's mm. you know that kind of there's a lot of excitement there yeah have you so far developed any particular philosophies about the comedy industry comedy in general the way you do comedy is there anything that you sort of think you know going from gig to gig forward, I must always do this or I must never do this, that kind of thing? I, I mean, I think just, um, I think if you like, it, turning on the audience is never, never good. So I always try not to. I think there's been a few times where I'm, maybe like early days if I've, if I've just, I mean, I had one particularly bad gig actually at um, Wimbledon Park. I think it was Instant Laughs Comedy Night. Mm -hmm. And it's like, should be the easiest gig you'll do. It's just people happy to be out having like a, I think katsu curry is the, the the dish of the day over there and stuff, and you know just enjoying it. And I think I went in far too relaxed to the point of I did all of my uh, like I could I could look around the room and see like kind of maybe middle aged crowds uh, after a long day, and for whatever reason like I just I got the I did the material that I shouldn't have done that night, and it was just like everything didn't go well, and it was just like <laughs> I was looking at I was looking at it like. I've gone with this. Like I've I've seen like I, I was on like the second half and I was like, I've seen how this was going and I should have known, but it was almost a case of, well, I need to run through this, so I'm gonna do it anyway. Mm. Uh, and I feel from that I think it's it's important to to kind of know like to to sort of blend in. I I think I know like a lot of people will uh you'll get someone like a comedian like Tom Stade that'll just go in and just do like do whatever he wants to do regardless and have like doesn't care who, who's in the crowd, like they've got to get on board. Whereas I'm sort of like I'll look around and just sort of try and like blend into my surroundings and i think 
I've I've kind of got that now maybe, but that's just from being either myself or seeing other people just sort of going like mm. deep end with like stuff that was never gonna like like never gonna appeal to people in the crowd. So it's almost <laughs> like uh, the, the cringy stuff. But I mean, even then, there's there's no real formula to it. But I think it's it's almost trying to make sure that you're not like if it's a if it's a primarily older crowd, then you don't really want to kind of start. You you don't want to talk about stuff that they're not going to understand, or it's just it's not going to go well. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> so how can we find out about you and where we can come and see you? Um, so I'm on Instagram and Twitter, and my kind of primary uh things at at the Richard Cobb. Um, I've got a, I think I've got a link to like a link tree, but I can't remember what it is because <laughs> I think it's like link dot tree slash the Richard Cobb, but I'm not quite sure. Um. I've tried TikTok, but it, I find it very hard to be for anybody to be interested in anything I've put on there. And I come, I find myself like googling like the analytics, how to kind of get viral videos. And then it's just, I think like one that I had was like um, that went well. I was like, I was overtaking a guy at the marathon dressed dressed as like a blind dog, and that went really well. And that's the one I didn't want to go well because it was like it doesn't paint me in a good light at all. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I don't really use that as much as it's kind of mainly yeah Twitter and Instagram, I guess. Um, and then the gigs, I'll I'm doing kind of um, I'm doing Leicester comedy. Fest. I'm doing couples massage at Leicester next February, mm-hmm. which is um, I probably shouldn't be like I, I know a lot of people try and like um, they, they do that whole thing of like oh tickets are going really well, but tickets could not be going worse. Um, <laughs> after, I've, I think I picked like a. I think I've done a, a 70 capacity, which on reflection is a, not a good idea. Like, I feel like um, even in, like, in Edinburgh, I'd struggle with that. And I've two tickets have gone so far uh, as comps to the awards judges, all that's gone <laughs> in the space of like two months. So I'm kind of concerned about that. Um, and I'm doing Glasgow uh, in uh, like March as well, but that's like Easter Sunday. So again, that's something I hadn't thought through. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> But anyway, living man. But yeah, I think um, yeah, those are kind of the two the two main ones I've got so far. Um, and so finally, my last question, Richard, how would you sum up comedy in a nutshell? Um, I mean, no, because I I I talk for like it's going to be a pretty big nutshell. Um, it's um, I don't <laughs> know. I, I feel like it's um, it's great that like people have a voice and that they can kind of um, like have a way of, of expressing themselves that maybe you wouldn't be able to do in your kind of nine to five. I think that's, that's been a great outlet in the sense of mm. um, like people, people sort of say like, Oh, would you like to do, would you do comedy as a career and stuff? But I kind of feel like I always need that kind of outlet of, you know, that sort of something fun to do on the side. So whether it had been like kind of music before, and I think then it had been writing mm. and obviously going and doing stand up. but I kind of feel stand ups the, it feels like the the thing that sort of made the most sense, and it's kind of ever, like the paths have been leading to that. So I'm aware I'm sort of veering off your question, <laughs> but I feel like um, I feel like from that, I think I think yes, yeah, it's, it's great as long as you don't. Uh, there's, I mean, there's a lot of sort of bad habits in the sense of um, like I find myself like there's a lot more self reflection now mm-hmm. that I wouldn't have uh, I wouldn't have had before, and everyday situations of just walking past a sign like you're you're sort of all you're always on it's a bit like mm. kind of uh if you're if you're going on holiday and you've got data roaming on and it costs you loads of money it's like that with stand-up all the time that it gets to the point of like complete mundane situations you're just sort of writing down stuff and then you look at your notes the next day and think that's this this doesn't even make sense <laughs> you know i think it's 
very very active but i think it's it's great that you can kind of have kind of find find sort of joy and, and humor in, in everyday situations yeah richard i really appreciate your time thank you so much it's been great yeah cheers mark thank you